You're listening to Sharp Scratch, episode 59, Mentorship. This is a podcast brought to you by the BMJ and sponsored by Medical Protection, where we bring together medical students, junior doctors and expert guests to discuss all the things that you need to know to be a good doctor, but you might not get taught at medical school. I'm Nikki and I'm now actually officially a fourth year medical student at the University of Manchester as I'm finally back at med school. Until recently, I worked at the BMJ as the editorial scholar, looking after all of the content that the BMJ produces for students, including Sharp Scratch. And I'm excited to be joined today by one of our usual panellists, Coyote. Coyote, do you want to introduce yourself? Hi everyone, my name is Kaede Oki and I am a final year medical student at the Woo. University of Dundee. And yeah, sunnier city in Scotland. I feel like I need <laughs> to drop that in there at every single opportunity. But yeah, it's great to be back. Is it really a Coyote intro if you don't say that? <laughs> no, honestly, it's honestly great to be back. I'm really enjoying, I'm really enjoying final year. Andrew lives around the corner from me now. It's oh, that's great. great. <laughs> yeah, small world, right? Bro, great to have you with us. And I'm also really excited to introduce our new BMJ editorial scholar, Pat Locke, for her Sharp Scratch debut. Pat, do you want to introduce yourself? Hi, uh, I'm Pat. I'm a medical student at Anglo Ruskin University, and I'm taking a year out between my third and fourth years to work here at the BMJ. Oh, so excited to have you with us, Pat. And I'm also delighted to introduce our expert guest, Dr. Georgia Winnett. Georgia, do you want to introduce yourself? Hi, I'm Dr. Georgia Winnett. I am a consultant renal physician at Basildon Hospital, a senior lecturer at Anglia Ruskin School of Medicine in Essex, and also an associate postgraduate dean for Health Education East of England. Thank you for having me on the show. Oh, thank you so much for joining us, Georgia. So today we thought we'd talk a little bit about mentors at medical school, kind of like the different types of mentors, whether you need one, how to find one, and kind of how to make the most of one. But first things first, Pat, do you have a mentor or someone that you'd consider a mentor? Yeah, I don't really have an official mentor, but there's a foundation doctor who I'm friends with, um, and I would just go to her for advice for things like, do I need to buy this textbook or just any tips on exams and OSCEs, etc. Yeah. And do you say that that's been really important to you because you you don't have a year above, do you? Yeah, exactly. So I'm at a brand new medical school, so there's no years above me that I could ask uh, advice from. So yeah, just anyone that I could find who could give me any tips, I would just stick onto them. Oh, amazing. And Kid, what about you? Do you have a mentor, kind of official or unofficial? Um, I have several. Um <laughs> I have several people who I consider to be my mentors. I don't know if, if some of them know this, but um, they are. Um, in the past, <laughs> I've had official mentors when I was in school. Like I had, I was part of like this program for young people from African Caribbean um, backgrounds. And we all got given a mentor that worked in a really fancy investment bank or law firm, which is really fun. So I, I, I've, had, I've had a range of different mentors and I would say it's been very, very important in my development as a person. I would say um, knowing how good it was having a mentor when I was like 13, 14, I've always ensured wherever I go now, I seek out that person I'm going to sort Mm. of cling to, whether or not they (laughs) know, and just sort of get advice and get little hidden tips and tricks from them as well. So yeah, I, I, I love the idea of mentoring it's great oh you're the right person to be on this episode then um and georgia what about you did you have a mentor who's kind of stood out to you during your training or would you say you still have one now 
It's a really interesting question. And when it was posed to me, well, when I was asked to come on, I had to think about this question. Half the time, you don't realise, I think, when you've got a good mentor, Mm. because they are friendly and they help you and they're not not intrusive. And you don't realise sometimes until you've moved on, because in medicine, we move around a lot. As students, you, you move from one block to another, one hospital to another. And it's the same as you progress um, as junior doctors. You're always rotating around. And sometimes you don't realise what you've got until it's gone. Um, So looking back, certainly there were lots of people that helped me along the way. From undergraduate, um, I had a really excellent surgical teaching fellow. Surgery wasn't wasn't um, my best subject. Uh, I was always going to be a physician. Um, and they made it engaging, inspired me to do better. Uh, and I think that's what helped along the way in, as an undergraduate. Certainly as I've got older, I'm now mentoring other people. And I can see which people really helped me uh, as a junior doctor as well. So it's been nice to nice to reflect back as well as well as forward yeah you're right that is very nice um pat we also asked our instagram followers to see how many of them thought they had a mentor be it an official or an unofficial mentor do you have the results from our instagram poll yeah so we posted a poll on instagram asking um our audience to see if they have a mentor so um 33 of them said yes and 60 percent, 67 percent said no that's interesting i kind of would have expected more people to say they had a mentor. Katie, what do you think? Are you surprised by that? Yeah, I'm I'm very, very surprised by that. And I think it sort of sort of like touches on what Georgia was saying about people not realizing that they have mentor and that you don't realise what you've had till it's gone. So I expect in a poll of medics, medical students, doctors at whatever career stage you're at, I expected a hundred I well, it should be 100% yes, because yeah. medicine, like the whole education of medicine and becoming a doctor is literally built on mentoring. So like I'm currently on my foundation assistantship block where I'm shadowing the FYs and basically trying to do their job, but only on three patients. But it's yeah, but I consider those FYs on the ward when I'm on as well as my mentors because they are because I am looking up to them. I'm getting advice from them all the time. So I just find it strange that 67% of people didn't consider themselves to have a mentor, whether official or unofficially. Like, I, th- I think that's very interesting. I think, maybe, yeah, maybe people would use a different word to describe that relationship. Yeah, really interesting. Perhaps people would answer that poll differently having listened to this podcast. <laughs> if I can just come in, there's a, I think terminology is... Um, always tricky isn't it so mentorship supervision um, apprenticeship all of these things can mean the same coaching Um, and I think like you say if you've got if you're in an apprenticeship as a as a final year medical student with a foundation doctor that foundation doctor might not see themselves as a mentor and might not have called themselves a mentor but they are helping they're they're guiding uh so they're mentoring, but with, without the official title. And I think sometimes in polls, people are quite, it's quite, it can be quite didactic. It's just a yes or no answer and they get a bit confused. Yeah, definitely. So I guess the big question for this episode, and we've kind of alluded to it already, is why would someone want a mentor? Like, why do you need a mentor? 
I, I think I remember in the last episode I was on, we were talking about um, preparing for clinical years. And I talked about just being an absolute creep and loser and um, <laughs> ensuring uh, en- ensuring that, that I was in theatre and clinics and ward rounds with this particularly really good consultants and stuff. And I would say he gave me a really good insight into what being a doctor is. So as a fourth year medical student on the wards or in clinics and everything, I just wanted to be helpful with anything, anything that could be helpful at all. And I do remember one situation where a patient needed a new dressing and for, for, for their wound and I was off to do it. And he just had to remind me, okay, I think it's really good that you're really keen and wanting to be helpful and on, on the ward, but remember you're here to um, learn how to be a doctor and as a doctor you're you're not necessarily going to have time to do that so what I would like you to do is go and let one of the nursing team know that that patient needs a dressing done and then you go and review that patient and come feedback to me and then I'll go see them as well again and that's an experience that really stuck with me because I, I realized yeah that is so true like everyone has their role within the healthcare team and I need to become better at, at, at identifying what my role is within this setting and fulfill that role and, and, and help other people fulfill their role as well. So that if I didn't see him as a mentor, if I wasn't listening to him, I don't think that's a lesson about becoming a doctor that I would have learned. So I would say becoming a, having a mentor is so incredibly important especially if you're going to be especially if you're a medic like instagram people i'm disappointed in you that would not have happened on twitter on twitter people would have been like yeah 100 percent. i have got a mentor yeah. pat and i debated whether to do an instagram poll or a twitter, twitter poll we ended up going on instagram or maybe yeah. we'll do a twitter one yeah we should do it next time yeah Pat, what are your thoughts? I noticed you nodding along there as Katie was speaking. Yeah, I relate with Coyote. So um, I had my first clinical placement when I was first year. And as a first year, everything is so new to you, right? So we're asked to take bloods from a patient for the first time. And I remember spending the first week just taking bloods all the time. And then I remember this um, F1 who was my supervisor at that time. And then he said that taking good at taking bloods doesn't make you a good doctor you shouldn't just focus on taking bloods and you should really expand your skills so I would say having a mentor or just having a supervisor there to tell you what's the right um tasks to do to help you becoming a good doctor is definitely good rather than just you um tunnel visioning on just doing one thing that you think is good for you yeah definitely so Georgia what do you think is like the bottom line of it like why do we need mentors so Mentoring changes depending on what you're doing at the time and depending on where your journey takes you. So as a student, obviously, you're learning lots of new things all the time. Medicine is huge. You you need help with um, how the NHS works, how how life works after you know this your first year medical student a lot of people are 18 to 20 you've never washed your socks so you need mentoring (laughs) how to use the washing machine yeah how to get a bank account you know things uh life mentoring there's all all, you know there's always been someone there that's done it before Uh, and if they haven't done it before there's someone there that can guide you at least in the direction of someone who has so don't ever feel like it's a failure to ask for help it's it's a really important skill to learn because if you don't ask for help for the simple things, how are you going to ask for help as a doctor for the more complicated things? So I think it's always 
good to acknowledge you need a mentor. Uh, and as you progress, you're always going to change tack in your career. So I've taken on different things. Just I've qualified as a doctor. I've practiced as a clinician. I also teach and I manage. And they were really hard skills for me when I first developed. So you become a consultant and all of a sudden you're now a manager and I've got junior doctors to manage and rotors to manage. And I had to have mentoring for that. That was a completely new skill I didn't know anything about. And I was really lucky that I had a senior consultant colleague that took me under their wing uh, and showed me the ropes and was there for me. So not a direct supervisor, but was there to hold my hand and buy me a coffee and just have a chat and let me moan at him about the <laughs> the things that had gone wrong and be happy about the things that had gone right and help me out. And I think it, for your own mental well-being, it's really important to have that outlet because medicine's stressful. I would definitely agree because um, like some of some of the people I consider to be my mentors, I've literally met them on Twitter, which is really, really weird. So I've never really met them in person. But it's I, I always think it's really, really good and really nice to sometimes just be able, like you already said, Georgia, just talk things out with someone and those, just just for them to tell you that actually you're fine. Like what you did was the right yeah. thing. You just you just need someone to co-sign what you've done. Right. Yeah, that reassurance that you're that you are okay. And it's so, I, I think it's so important. I I think it's so important. And I don't I don't think people should underestimate the usefulness of that skill. I think for me, I come across as really confident and really extroverted, but I'm actually really mm. shy. And no, but when I say that, no one ever believes me. I'm actually genuinely really shy. I'm an introvert, okay? I'd rather stay in my room by myself all day. And when people see me being really outspoken about certain things, they think, oh, oh my God, like he's just thought about all these things himself. It's like, no, not at all. Like most things I say, they've been in my head for several weeks and I've spoken about it with several other people. And that has given me the confidence to be able to say it yeah. out loud in front of other people. So, yeah, Instagram medics, like, <laughs> rethink Get yourself this, some mentors. Get yourself some mentors <laughs> and just, like, mentoring is where the party's at. <laughs> okay, we'll discuss a little bit more about different types of mentors, but that'll be right after this. How much do you care about indemnity right now? Probably not a lot. You're still a few years away from really worrying about claims and complaints from patients. But being part of medical protection is about a lot more than just indemnity. We can be there if something goes wrong, but we're also here to help make sure things go right too. We're the only medical defence organisation that protects doctors all over the world. From London to Brisbane, Cork to Cape Town, 300,000 members benefit from our expert advice and support throughout their career. During your years at medical school, your membership is completely free. You'll get training resources that can help you become an even better doctor, plus a dedicated student team there for you when you need it most. And when it comes to your elective, you can trust in our international experience to protect you wherever you choose to go. It's no wonder that 90% of medical students in the UK choose to be part of medical protection. You can find out more at medicalprotection.org. to the show so there are lots of different types of mentors I guess all the way through from kind of professors who are at the top of their field to junior doctors who might be kind of 
five years ahead of you career-wise or even these near peer mentors within medical school like the kind of medic family mums and dads type of thing and one of our regular sharp scratch panelists Lily had a lot of experience with these medic parent schemes and she spoke to me a little bit about it. Hello Nikki and the rest of you guys on the podcast. Um, Nikki asked me to record something about near peer mentoring which is a term I had not heard of but apparently is relevant to my experience of fresher mummies and daddies at my university where in first year so you're like a little newbie 18 year old you get given two parents of any gender and they become your mummy and your daddy and you've often never met them before and you have to like I think I vaguely remember you're all you and all the first years are like huddled in this room and then you get like you have to go to the front and get given your like slip and it has their names and their numbers and you have to text one of them and be like hi I'm your fresher this is like the first evening um and so you're like shit scared and so I got my I got my slip with the names and number. I texted one of them and one of them didn't reply so I texted the other one and they were like oh great I can't remember what they said it's something like we're at the pub and so the like classic thing you do is on your first night you go to have a Brick Lane curry because I'm at a medical school in East London um you go to have a curry with your parents and usually quite a lot of other parents and their children um and that's not really the story that was like fun nice and they were lovely um but my biggest experience with near peer mentoring is essentially being very 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 drunk so essentially my experience of near near peer mentoring is very lovely very funny people looking after me when I was in my first year and having a great time with them there wasn't really any wisdom imparted but yeah it was really fun and I think it's a great idea for universities to engage older years in young with younger years and to kind of integrate people in and it was very much like the vibe was like you're in the Bart's family now you're in this uni family and it was really lovely so I think Lily was kind of getting at kind of a bit like what Georgia was talking about earlier about how sometimes there's different aspects of your life that mentors can help with and I guess this kind of medics mums and dads is kind of to help you settle into your first year and kind of find your feet socially as well as academically I guess um I remember one of the things that I had was also medic parents one of the things that they circulated for us was these kind of notes that everyone used for first and second year like the like a drop box of um nice revision notes and things so that was one of the things that are um like medic parents circulated for us but as we were listening to that I was thinking Pat you didn't have a year above so you wouldn't have had anything like this no exactly um so I guess I'm would call us medic orphans so we didn't have any medic oh. parents yeah oh bless you but, it's okay though because yeah. I always say that sharp scratch is like your friends in the year above yeah. so you've been adopted into the sharp scratch family yeah so it's okay <laughs> Kody, did you have like a medic family at all? Yes, I did. Um, but it's but it's really funny. So like, I have some friends at ARU in Pat's. Well, I have some one friend at ARU <laughs> in Pat's year. So I I do remember her saying that ARU's curriculum is quite similar to my <laughs> uni's curriculum. So I like. I've spent some time talking to her, but like you know, first year exams are difficult, but it's fine. 
<laughs> you can do it and all that stuff. So accidental mentoring. Um, I had I had medic parents. Uh, it was really funny because I'm older than they are. And my experience of medic parents is very, very different to Lily's, to be honest, because <laughs> we were all old and has-beens and didn't really care about the fresher lifestyle. Mm. We went out for nice dinners. We'd like cook each other <laughs> nice meals, drink wine and just have a general lovely time because I'm sure every uni does it. There's they're always like the big medic nights out and it would get to like 10 yeah. p.m. We'll be like, well, I'm done for the day now. <laughs> I'm, I'm too old now. for this. <laughs> like, like yeah. I, I don't care. I've done my time. So yeah, <laughs> me and my medic parents, we got on like a house on fire. Um, I suppose the important part is just having someone there to help you settle into university life. Because when you first it's that start, reassurance again, yeah. isn't it? It's what you were saying before. Like someone mm. to talk to you, so you're not just by yourself. It's very different in Scotland because everyone knows each other, but <laughs> in England, mm. everyone from around the countries move into different places. Whereas the population size in Scotland is so much smaller, so the likelihood of having several people from the same school in your year group is very, very, very high. So to just mm. cling together, but having someone else to talk to that is, I guess, forced to talk to you. It's quite nice. <laughs> Georgia, how important do you think schemes like this are and are there plans to set it up at AIU? I'm not sure about the uh, Lily's, <laughs> Lily's experience. I can't promote that from a, uh, from the alcohol point of view. But, uh, you know, I'm not saying it doesn't go on, but I can't promote that. Um, but from a buddy system, I think it is good. And we've certainly got peer-to-peer buddies now from uh, perhaps year downwards buddying up and just just... It is the logistics side. It's not the academic side where students struggle. It's the it's the logistics of how on earth am I going to cope with this workload? What do I do? There's no light at the end of the tunnel. So seeing someone that's a near peer that's done it and it's like, yay, um, I can do that too. And it's that pulling them through. And it, it you get used to it. It's medicine. It, it, as you, you get get qualified you got postgrad exams and I had to be dragged through my membership exams to the Royal College of Physicians <laughs> by a near peer who and um, when I say drags I mean he, apart from the fact that he didn't actually get my ponytail and drag me around the wards it was very close come and see this patient <laughs> you're never gonna pass um it did feel a bit and it did feel a bit like that but um I wouldn't have passed otherwise and then that kind of and that was because I got myself into a bad place where I thought there's too much to learn I can't do it what's the point uh, and so it was just someone else saying well actually you can do it we know you can do it you, you're academic you've got to this point they wouldn't they wouldn't have let you in they wouldn't have let you pass med school if you can't do it so um you can do it let's just help you along the line uh, along the way and I think Having that handheld is great. So that's really informal mentorship is essential to student life. You, you just need it. Just um, be cautious. Be cautious about the uh, after activities impacting on um, what you're doing. <laughs> I, I prefer the I prefer the going out for the uh, nice meal, and I thought that was a, yeah that 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 kind of near peer. I'll I'll endorse that one. Okay, we'll be back to discuss what makes a good mentor, but that will be right after this. As you take on additional responsibility for your patient's care, UpToDate can be your trusted personal medical consultant. 
Up to Date is an online, continuously updated clinical decision support resource used by doctors, medical students and doctors in training worldwide to access current, evidence-based information at the point of care. Doctors at all levels of experience rely on Up to Date for trusted answers to their clinical questions. See how Up to Date can benefit your training and subscribe today by visiting go.uptodate.com/sharp. That's go.uptodate.com/sharp and use promo code SHARP to save 25 US dollars on your annual or longer subscription. Okay, back to the show. So when putting this episode together, I thought it would also be only right to have some reflections from my own mentor, Dr. Derek Tracy, who is the medical director of the West London NHS Trust and a consultant psychiatrist. Being a mentor has been one of the most enjoyable parts of my career. It's been fun, it's been stimulating, and maybe slightly selfishly, I I suspect I've learned as much from my mentees as they have from me. They've taught me new knowledge, they've made me better understand myself. It's something we learn from as well as giving to others. I think perhaps one thing that's changed for me as I get a bit older is recognising different levels of intersectionality and privilege that I might have or that other people might not have. And I've tried to become more active with time and reaching out to people who perhaps have fewer contacts or networks or thinking about people in terms of maybe gender, ethnicity, country of origin and the different levels of help people might have or might require and trying to find people who might need support as well as giving it to those who come and contact me directly. I think something that needs to happen in terms of mentoring is recognising that it is a commitment and it's a commitment over time. I I think people approach this in different ways. Depends on your personality and what you want to give to it. For some people, it suits both parties to be more formal in terms of setting down maybe limits or timeframes or when you're going to meet. That's not really my style. I tend to be more informal with that. But then the payoff for me is I have to recognize if I don't set limits and saying, well, we meet at time X or at this frequency, then I need to be open to the fact that my mentees will contact me as and when they wish. And I think for me, that's fine. But for other people, they might want to have it a bit more laid down on paper or in print. A key thing is to understand what matters to the mentee and not to the mentor. They don't always align. Your job as a mentor is to have your experience, your knowledge, your connections, and to open those doors for people, but to take on board what matters to the mentee. So maybe they want to publish a paper. Maybe they don't. Maybe they want clinical experience. Maybe they don't. Sometimes it's someone to bounce ideas off, and I think it's really important not to force the mentee's journey, but to really facilitate it and to open doors for them. And as part of that, I think it's really key, never have a mentee become reliant on you. I always push my people to grow and to fly and to exceed me, and I hope they stay in touch with me all through their lives and their careers, but they never need me. I want them to take lessons from me and to go and to flourish. And I think a final point for me is to lift as you climb. At any stage in your career, there will be someone more junior less experienced and less fortunate or privileged than you are. Support them too. I have mentees who are undergraduates and they're helping support students at secondary school. So you don't have to be old and grey like me to become a mentor. Help support other people. You learn a lot about yourself when you do. He just sounds like an amazing human being. Like yeah, I, 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 I wish I knew him. Like he just sounds 
great vibes. Yeah, he has great vibes. I'll give, I'll give yeah. you that. <laughs> that, that. That's what I had to have to say, to be honest. Well, my next question was going to be: Do we have any other kind of thoughts of what makes a good mentor to kind of build on what Derek said, or reflections on what he said? For me, I think the key is facilitation. So, a lot of my training, I, I, I facilitate a lot of simulation training, and the conversations around that training is very facilitative, and people don't like it often because. I'm not there to tell them what you're doing right, what you're doing wrong. I'm there to ask you what you think. And being a mentor and a mentee is the same relationship. And I think that came across in that little clip you you played because you're used to being told what to do. You when you're children, you're you're told by your parents what you're going to do. And you, you as you're getting older, you're going to have to get used to being more reliant. You're coming through university, um, and especially the postgrads. Uh, you you've been there done that and now you've got to, you've got to really get on with things so as a mentor I'm not there to tell you what to do but I'm there to help you point you in the right direction um and I think facilitating that is a difficult skill and he sounds like he's he's got it he's got it covered yeah I really like how he mentioned um a mentor should really um, understand your values and goals and kind of share his experience of what he's been through but that doesn't necessarily mean that it's the only way to do it and I think he would try to understand you as a person and um kind of uh suggest you what kind of tools um that could help you to reach the goal that you want to achieve at the end and so if any of our listeners are listening to this and thinking god I wish I had a mentor like where where do I find a mentor from do we have any advice for where people should go or like how they can find the right mentor um I just tend to insert myself into people's lives (laughs) I'm not even going to deny it um how do you find the right person to insert yourself into their life though um I I think I'm just generally quite a reflective person so I'm gonna I'm gonna tell a bit of a funny story. It's not that funny, but it, it is funny. So many months ago, I was looking into applying for um, a now called SFB program, and funnily enough, I wanted to apply for a simulation in medical education program in EBH Deanery. So I've seen George's name out there before because. I'm pretty sure, I don't know if you still are, but at least at the time I checked, you were the lead for simulation training in that area, I think. So, like... Yeah, I, I cover I cover post-grad training and simulation in the east of England. I've got lots of right. hats. So, Georgia <laughs> is actually one of, the, one of the people that I would have probably attempted to approach and insert myself into her life she is... <laughs> now you have connection so, so it's just like it's like oh my god she's here what it's not too late um, <laughs> so, so like when, when, I, when i saw the invoice i was like i know that i was like oh my god yeah so <laughs> I, I didn't actually think it was gonna come up but it did so now i can say it um so I, I guess just knowing like the stuff that you're interested in. So I have many, many, many interests. So I in the end, I chose not to apply for an SFB in simulation in medical education for whatever reasons. But it's still, um, which is which is why I haven't approached you or anything. But um, <laughs> but it, 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 it is still something that is in the back of my head. I mean, I've just thought to myself, that's not something I want to do right now. But in general, just finding a mentor 
um i wouldn't say i have any formal mentors at the moment but just finding out like looking for people that you look up to and approaching them it doesn't need to be like oh my god i'm such a huge fan of you it could just be like you know what um this is something that i'm doing can i get your feedback on it like i've um spoken to people who've been on sharp scratch before as panelists i've kept in contact with some of them and just like talk through different projects i'm doing with them and getting their advice and all that sort so i think yeah just finding out who you i'm gonna use that word again vibe with and keeping that line of communication it doesn't have to be consistently all the time that you're meeting every two weeks but i think people would are quite honored and chuffed when you ask them for their advice because they're thinking oh wow someone actually cares what i think so don't be afraid to just reach out to people and just say oh i'm doing this thing um what do you think and it just goes from there yeah and i guess if you reach out to people like that sometimes people are genuinely too busy and they don't have the time to reply to you and you will gauge that you'll get that vibe very soon and that's not a reflection on you I guess it's more like trying again with other people and there's some people that I guess you can see as role models but doesn't mean that they're your mentor and they're not as actively involved with what you're doing but you can still kind of look up to them and follow them I guess um but the other thing I wanted to unpack a bit that I think Cody were kind of implying there is about kind of having a mentor kind of officially through a mentoring scheme compared to kind of stumbling across someone so I met Derek at a conference and we ended up working on a project together and it's kind of just continued from there onwards um but it wasn't through like an official scheme because I know my area of interest is psychiatry and I know my medical school does like partner us with local psychiatrists if we want to have a kind of formal mentoring relationship as well so Georgia how much experience do you have of these kind of more formal schemes and the benefits of those in comparison to kind of what KOD and I have done and just kind of find people ourselves absolutely so generally as you reach your clinical years uh, the fourth fifth year of med school you'll be placed in clinical placements more permanently with educational supervisors so it's a mentor by another name so your supervisor obviously has a different hat on slightly so they will give career guidance and they will give guidance on how to progress within your course but they can offer you that friendly coaching kind of chat However, they do also sign your assessment, don't they? So quite often it's got a bit of a double-edged sword there and people don't feel confident to fully engage. And there's a very, very small amount of students and uh, junior doctors that want something outside of the formal work environment. So most universities will provide a student wellbeing and support team, uh, which will provide either formal type mentoring uh, where you ha- you go for regular sessions and have that formal mentoring and co- or coaching, uh, and it's the same as postgrad. There's a the Health Education England provider professional support and wellbeing uh, unit where you can get full mentoring support. So there is that official kind of mentoring support if you if you want and require it. So imagine our listeners have found their mentor. How do they make that relationship with their mentor last? Pat, what are your thoughts? Yeah, so I've I've gone through like um, mentoring schemes in a formal way and informal way, and I agree with Doctor 
uh, what Dr. Tracy has said, um, where I think informal works better because with formal ones, you meet every two weeks and sometimes um, there may be um, no objectives that you're talking about. You're just setting up a meeting for the sake of setting up a meeting. So I think um, to make the mentor to make the mentoring relationship productive, I think it's good to just have an initial meeting, um, talking about the goals that you want to achieve, um, and um, just talking about things that you would want answers on, and see how they could help you with it. Yeah, I would definitely agree with you, Pat. Um, which so I prefer informal mentors as well because I feel like le- like less of a disappointment. Um, <laughs> <laughs> because if they've like if they've if they've advised you to do something and you don't think it's something that you should do it's very very difficult to be like no I don't want to do it to when, when someone is in an official role because I I for, for the for many many years I've always just felt advice is, is advice I don't have to do it like I know my own personal situation best and I'll take on board everything that you've said and add it to other information that i hold so i think in order to like make a mentoring relationship last i think both parties need to be quite clear about what they want from the relationship because i would say that i've been a mentor and still i'm a mentor to some people so i'm currently helping a few people through their medicine applications at the moment and there are places that i think they should apply to and they don't want to, which is fine. I'm not going to force them. They can do whatever they want to do. But um, but it's just like understanding that like what I, what I say to them and what they say to me is not necessarily the full story. Like some of the decisions that they make um, is not necessary, necessarily fully going to make much sense to me. But they've made that decision coupled with the information that I've given them and just like trusting that my mentees know themselves as well so i guess to make it last know what you want from it um i would say though it doesn't have to last so your mentor can last with you a lifetime it can last with you just for a certain goal so if if you're wanting to submit submit a publication for instance and you, you have a mentor for that goal once it's done you might not have the same relationship and you move on so it's not it's not that you have to find the one mentor that is your um, soulmate. It, 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 you can have. <laughs> it's not a marriage. Um, you can you can dip in and out of mentorships, and it might be that you you go back to a, a mentor you've had five years ago to ask a different question. So I think once you've built that relationship and you've agreed what your goals are, you can dip in and out. Uh, I don't think that's a problem. Yeah, that's. I think that's really good point and something I haven't thought about really yeah really important so just to kind of round up the episode what are our kind of final takeaways or kind of reflections from this episode um i guess when it comes to future finding a future mentor i won't have the um i won't have the same standards as like finding a partner as you said just um be clear about what your (laughs) goals are and um yeah, I, and reflecting on Coyote's point, what both of us want um, to get off this mentoring relationship is not a one-way thing. We should be mutually benefiting each other and what we can learn from each other um, as a result of this mentoring relationship. Thanks, Pat. Coyote, what do you think? Um, I would say quite very similar to Pat, to be fair, like because um, Derek Tracy mentioned in his um, recording that you know he's learned so much from being a mentor himself. 
and I, we didn't really get a chance to talk about it much in this episode but like there's the whole idea of reverse mentoring where someone like um, a junior is actually mentoring the senior and that is like the official way that it's meant to be so I would say um, mentoring is can can and should be mutually beneficial to both the mentor and the mentee and I'm going to carry on going off by vibes and seeing who I vibe <laughs> with and hopefully that carries on working for me I'm just gonna keep my fingers crossed just carry yeah. on vibing yeah I'm always being mentored about um uh, Twitter and Instagram etc they have to I have to be dragged into the 21st <laughs> century with technology so um there's definitely some reverse men- mentoring going on with me um what I'd like to probably end on is my reflection on being a mentor in that I like to think about paying paying things things forward. I don't like to think I have to ever pay someone back for being mentored, so I don't expect them to pay me back for helping them. What I want them to do is pay it forward, go out and help someone else. Yeah, exactly. That's similar to what I was going to say, which I think what Derek mentioned at the end as well about kind of lifting as you climb. I think that's probably the most important kind of takeaway message for this episode. But that's all from us on Sharp Scratch today. If you'd like to hear any more from us, please subscribe to Sharp Scratch wherever you get your podcasts. And in two weeks time, you'll be notified of our next episode. While you wait for the next one, do check us out on social media. We're BMJ Student on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. Let us know what you think about the podcast using the hashtag SharpScratch. And we'd love to hear your ideas for what you think we should cover later on in the season. It's also really helpful to us if you can leave us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts, as it helps other med students find the show. But until next time, bye from us. Bye. Bye.